Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, brothers and sisters. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life and Pastoral Director of Rachel's Vineyard and of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign. These ministries working together to bring healing to those who have lost children to abortion or have participated in abortion in any way. We welcome you to this, one of our series of training seminars and presentations that help us to better understand the wounds that abortion inflicts and the path to healing. Because we as people of faith are people of hope, knowing and facing head on the devastating reality of how evil and destructive abortion is, nevertheless, always hold to and lead with the hope that that's not the end of the story. That's never the end of the story. There is light, there is life, there is healing, there is a savior who reaches down into the darkest despair that any of us can experience and is ready to lift us up. We just have to reach out, brothers and sisters, and take his hand. We come to you, therefore, in this particular presentation, and we'll have the, the help of our friend and colleague, Georgette Fournay, in a moment. She co-founded the Silent No More campaign, and she's the president of Anglicans for Life. And we're going to talk about this topic, abortion and the holidays. Christmas is upon us and the dawning of a new year. The world is rejoicing in the birth of a child who is also our savior, those that have lost children to abortion, those that have participated in the killing of a child by abortion, often have a, quite a difficult time here at the holidays. We want to know what we can do to be a positive help for them, to be an influence for good, to be a person who can lighten the burden and increase the joy of the season without the trauma, and the pain. Brothers and sisters, we hope that this presentation, and we're confident that it will, bring you to a deeper understanding of these dynamics. Before I introduce Georgette, uh, I want to introduce a few thoughts here to set the framework for what we're talking about. But before we do that, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, source of all life and love and healing, come to us. Your church prays in this Advent season, come, come Lord Jesus, send us salvation. And Father, we pray as we prepare for the coming of your Son, for all those who have had abortions or participated in them in any way, for all those for whom the holiday season may trigger reactions of profound grief, sadness, or other negative reactions, Lord, we want to know better how we can serve such individuals, how we can help them. Lord, enable them to experience your presence as a healing balm and the hope of the life you bring us. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, let me set the stage here using the word trauma. If you have experienced or witnessed a horrifying event. It's possible that you, like many others do, 
suffer from some form of post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, when you look at what this means, it's amazing how similar it is to the stories we read constantly about those who have had abortions. The elements of post-traumatic stress disorder, which again is caused by either experiencing or witnessing a horrifying experience, a near-death experience for yourself, actual death or violence against somebody else, and there you are confronted with this horrifying thing, the kinds of reactions that are, are described by psychologists and psychiatrists as part of post-traumatic stress disorder are line by line the kinds of things we read in the testimonies of those who have had abortions. We in the Silent No More Awareness Campaign make those testimonies available for your consideration at abortiontestimonies.com. Take a look at them. And you will see how similar these experiences are to what I'm about to highlight for you as some of the key aspects of the post-traumatic stress disorder uh, uh, symptoms. These symptoms can begin to appear a month after the traumatic event, or they may not appear for years and then begin affecting somebody later down the road. Four different kinds of things are identified as constituting this post-traumatic stress disorder. First, intrusive memories, and we'll look a little bit at each one of these. All of a sudden, I am troubled by, I am overwhelmed by this vivid, horrifying memory of the event. Intrusive memories. Two, avoidance. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to be reminded about it. I don't want to see the sights, hear the words, hear the sounds, go to the places that in any way bring back that trauma. Third, negative changes in either your thinking or your feeling, okay? In thinking or in your, or in your mood. Okay, for the worse, you change for the worst in either or both of those areas. And then physical and emotional reactions in various circumstances to the trauma. Physical and emotional reactions. Now, let me just say a little word about each of these. Because again, as we're going into the holidays... People are going to be, a lot of people around us, you might know that they had an abortion, you might not know that they had an abortion. They're going to be going through all of this. Now, now it's not that it just happens at the holidays. Obviously, if somebody has gone through this, they're experiencing this all year long. But at the holidays, there may be particularly increased uh, sensitivities and um, experiences of these things. Intrusive memories, again, all of a sudden the, me the memory of this event comes to me, all of a sudden I'm having, uh, I'm reliving it, a flashback, we call it, right? You know, part of the healing 
that we want to bring about after abortion is to, and after any trauma, is to enable a person to remember it without reliving it. It's not that you're going to forget it. In fact, we don't, we don't want people to just repress their memories of traumatic things. Yes, remember it, recall it, but without reliving it. Part of the symptoms here is that the person feels like they're back in the event itself. And of course, if that intrusive memory comes during sleep, that's a nightmare. And people experience nightmares all the time after their uh, abortion. Something reminds them of the event, and they end up having a uh, severely distressful reaction. And again, when we're celebrating Christmas, remember, we're celebrating the birth of a child. And that's exactly what they were trying to avoid by having their abortion. Instead of the child being born, the child was aborted. So there's such a deep connection with the whole, uh, the whole reality of pregnancy and childbirth. And yet pregnancy and childbirth are so much the theme of Advent and Christmas that we can understand why this is important for us to be talking about now. Avoidance. You know, there are people who when they're driving to go shopping or they're taking their children to school or wherever they might have to go, will deliberately take a different route to avoid driving past the abortion clinic where they had that experience. Or maybe they know there's a billboard on the side of the road with something that reminds them of it. Or maybe they know that a particular program has some um, a music in its introduction, and that was the music that was playing in the clinic when uh, the day they had their abortion. It could be any number of things. So many people, when we read the testimonies of their abortion experience, say to us, I had the abortion, I came out of the clinic, I got back in the car with my boyfriend or my husband, and we never talked about it again. Maybe they never even said anything to anybody about their abortion until 30 years later. Avoidance. I have, in my own full-time pro-life ministry, had the experience of uh, starting a sermon about abortion and having people get up and leave the church. And I don't take that personally. It may be part of this avoidance reaction. In fact, there have been times when I remember, for example, one of many examples, relatively young couple in the very first pew of the church got up and 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 walked out when I began my homily as soon as they realized it was about abortion. But someone from the pro-life committee at the back of the church intercepted them, started talking with them, asked if they wanted to speak to me. And in fact, they did. And I, sp- I met with them after the mass and it ended up being one of the best days of their life because they talked to me about their abortion experience and began a journey of healing together. Avoidance reactions. Negative changes in thinking or mood. If somebody in your midst, maybe someone at your holiday gathering, seems just not into it, completely emotionally numb, uninterested, maybe going off by themselves, these can be some of the signs and symptoms. Or if they're just in their thinking, hopeless, about the future, if they're just thinking negative about themselves, how terrible they are, how terrible other people are, or just not interested anymore in the activities 
that they should be interested in. Maybe they were, you know, participating for many years in certain Christmas traditions, and now they're not, they don't seem to be interested in that anymore. These are some of the symptoms of a post-traumatic reaction. And finally, physical and emotional reactions of distress. Someone is easily startled, easily frightened, easily agitated, angry outbursts, aggressive behavior, self-destructive behavior, risk-taking behavior. Why do people do these things? It can be part of a reaction to a past abortion. So this is just to set the stage, post-traumatic stress disorder. Let's listen now to the conversation I had with Georgette Forney. Again, she's the president of Anglicans for Life, co-founder with Janet Morana of the Silent No More campaign, a great colleague, a good friend, a compassionate person, as compassionate as you'll find, and such a helpful guide on this topic my recent conversation with Georgette. Let's watch. Well, Georgette, thank you for being with us. It's great to have you as part of these educational uh, programs. And, um, you know, as a, a member and indeed as a co-founder of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, you have shared your own story of abortion publicly for many years now. Uh, so drawing both on that experience and on the experience of the many, many uh, moms, uh, dads, and other family members that you mm -hmm. and I have been privileged to serve over the years. We want to help our listeners today understand a little bit more about uh, triggering in general mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, particularly apply it to this holiday season that we're, that we're in right mm -hmm. now. Whether it's the site of a, a baby carriage uh, mm -hmm. or the sound of a vacuum cleaner, or ketchup on a, on a hamburger, or even just a headline in the news about abortion. Uh, there are many things that can really upset people that have uh, had abortions. Can you explain to us from, from your perspective this whole concept of, uh, and this experience of triggering? I'd be happy to, and it's a joy to be with you, Father Frank, and, and it's a, a blessing and an honor and a privilege to serve as one of the co-founders of the campaign, along with um, our sister, Janet Morana. Um, when I think of triggering, it, it, was, it, was, it was very interesting because when I had my abortion, I was 16 years old, and I was really not equipped to process all of the... Um, emotions and all of what happened. And I kind of thought that I buried it and didn't think about it. But I used to get triggered when I would go to the gynecologist. And as soon as my legs would go up into the stirrup for my annual pap exam, I would start crying. Uh -huh. And they would have to bring in a nurse and I'd be holding that nurse's hand. And one day I was actually driving to an event where I had to share my testimony and my stomach was nodding up. And I thought this happens every time. And I had just had the reoccurrence of the um, OBGYN visit. And I was like, oh my gosh, every time I get there, my legs go up in the stirrups. I start crying. The nurse has to come in. And when I go to talk about it, my stomach gets in a knot. And, the, and all of a sudden it was like all the pieces 
clicked and I realized that I was being triggered when I had to tell my story. And the trigger would go back to that experience of my legs in the stirrups. Yes. And, 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 and that was probably about 22, 25 years after I had my abortion that I put all those dots together and connected them. So I think it's very easy that we don't realize and we don't even recognize that, um, especially because the holidays are filled with so much emotion, so much activity that you just, you might be being triggered, but you don't realize A, that you're being triggered or what the source of it is and how it's generating um, either anger um, maybe unexpected tears, um, right. maybe just a, a sense of sadness or a place where you almost want to be alone and, and find refuge. Mm -hmm. and, and those are going to be signs that maybe that abortion experience is having more impact than you expect. Um, news that somebody is newly pregnant um, that can really be a trigger, especially if you've never been able to have any children afterwards. So when you can be prepared, isn't necessarily the reality, but be aware that you can be triggered. Then mm -hmm. when it happens, the grace of our God is there to say, hey, the emotion, the memory is there, but I'm here with you. And yes, exactly. Well, what you're describing, you know, I've heard it described as you are reacting to not simply what is happening to you at the moment, which mm -hmm. might be a very normal experience, but you are reacting to what happened to you in the past. Um, and and the difference, the differences between remembering something versus reliving it. The triggering, would you describe the triggering as a kind of mini reliving of mm -hmm. the abortion experience? Um, yes, I would. I would definitely say that it it does give you um, this weird feeling because we are so good and denial is so powerful that it. I would say that it doesn't necessarily trigger you back to the abortion experience especially if you've worked very hard to um, deny it or um, justify it. Right. You know, especially, I mean, a lot of people will say, I regret my abortion, but I can't imagine where I would be right now in my life if I hadn't had it. It's kind of like this tension. So you might not even necessarily identify a feeling as a trigger, but what I think one of the things for me is that when I think of a trigger, it has the power to alter my emotional state as well. Right. right I can right. go from being joyous and happy to all of a sudden feeling sullen. Or for me, whenever I get emotionally overwhelmed, I tend to want to withdraw from everybody and just go and be in silence and sit and ponder. Yeah. Um, and, but we don't always have that that luxury when you're in the middle of holidays and you've got thousands, you know, exactly. people in the house that you have to feed and everything. But to be able to kind of, um, you know, um, put a bookmark in that thought 
and and say, Lord, help me come back to that. Yes. Um, I, my sense is that if I come back and have more of a conversation with you, it, it might be able to, I might be able to heal from it more. Or I might be able to bring it into your presence and, and take it apart and understand it. Um, one of the things that it, as I've been praying this, this day about this time in our visit, one of the things that I, I keep coming back to is the importance of journaling and, and being able to have a place where you can share your thoughts safely, especially with nobody else, um, that your journal is a, is a, a haven. And, and you might just simply, you know, run to the bathroom and jot, hey, I had that feeling again when I saw Kathy come in with the, you know, the, the big pink bow, um, something like that. I mean, if you, that allows you to then go back when you're not in a triggered state and bring that before the Lord, bring that into um, his presence and, and allow yourself to walk around it um, right. when you feel safer. Right. Well, let's look at let's look at specifically. I mean, now mm -hmm. these weeks now in front of us, people are putting up Christmas decorations. We're hearing Christmas music, Christmas gifts and sales are happening. Uh, Christmas meals and plans are being prepared and worship services. What are, uh, specifically what are some of the things that can uh, upset, trigger or or otherwise really in, impact people who have had abortions more than the rest of us might realize, specifically yeah. as related to the approaching celebration of Christmas. Um, I remember um, one time looking at baby Jesus, um, our church has a live manger and looking at baby Jesus and, and, and realizing that I was emotionally being triggered. Um, by then I had gone through healing. I'd been doing this work for a while. So I understood, but I remember standing in what we call the cloister of our church and looking at baby Jesus and just this grief washing over me mm. that a, I couldn't share that with my child. B would I have been an age and a time where I, that baby could have been part of the live manger. It just, it was like all these weird thoughts that like that quick go in and out of your brain. Right. Um, uh, so the manger scene to me is one of those places where it can be very unexpected because there's a baby present. Um, as I said earlier, family members are now, um, this is the time of year that they're announcing weddings and they're announcing baby, you know, pre new pregnancies, um, those kind of things. Um, you know, uh, going shopping and hearing a song. Um, is, and again, this a lot of music is related to if you were in the car during the holiday, um, driving to the abortion clinic, something like that. Um, a lot of women talk about, as you said earlier, the vacuum cleaner or the um, the dentist office um, where they when they do the drilling or the cleaning of your teeth. Yeah, that is a similar sound. Um, yeah. You know, going to the doctors and and so. Um, those are the, the sometimes the more obvious ones. The less obvious ones are, are the, the places where maybe you get a smell of something that will um, trigger you. Um, smells, foods can also, um, you know, um, a lot of women will say, you know, my mom wanted me to stop for ice cream on the way home as some sort of, you know, booby prize, you know, like. The, yeah. Um, and so. All of a sudden, things that 
things that you could have done without being triggered because the holidays have a level of emotional um, intensity, um, especially, um, you know, the last couple of years, we've all lost a number of loved ones. So we get together um, and we are, you know, we're talking about grandma, we're talking about, um, you know, uncle or, um, you know, uh, the young man who died so unexpectedly. And, and while everyone is grieving, you find your tears are a little more intense. Yes. That is unresolved, complicated grief. Um, and, and what you're doing is you're, it's almost like your body is saying, I need to grieve. You need to grieve your child. That is one of the most important elements of the healing program is when we name our child, we write letters to our children, we, we grieve for them. That is the healthiest and most critical element to healing. And, and so sometimes at this time of year, we're discussing loved ones who have died and, and you can't talk about your child, but your grief is really based in that. And how do you, how do you pull it together? And you, you can't. And again, I go back to that's where that time with journaling, that chance to excuse yourself and just get away for a few minutes. That's okay. That's actually healthy to, to put a little, um, what is it called? A boundary? Exactly. And, and, and a lot of what you've said already partially answers my next question, which is for the people who are watching who have had abortions and, and are at different stages, obviously, in mm -hmm. their healing journey, what further advice would you give to them for preparing for the holidays, for preparing perhaps for some unexpected reactions? Mm -hmm. uh, what more can they do? What should they be looking for? How should they be praying now? How sh mm -hmm. What should they be thinking about now so that they can get through the holidays in, with as much peace as possible? Well, as I said earlier, I think journaling is really critical. I mean, I think yeah. journaling is, is a healthy thing to be doing year round. Um, it, it, it's, I have found it to be a key ingredient in, in my life in, in being able to, to do the work we do. Um, so journaling is always to me a very important part of that because it's a place where you can express feelings that you might not be ready to express to anybody else. Um, and also it, it's a great reference um, to go back and look at and see how you have grown or um, take it with you to a counselor and share some of the things that you know need to be put in under the light and let um, let the Lord and a counselor walk with you and talk with you about those things. So journaling has a lot of good, good pieces to it and, and benefits. The other thing that I would say is um, it, it's helpful to have a, a scripture memorized that um, you can kind of lean back into. I, I, I took um, one, uh, two scriptures actually, and I uh, merged them. So um, for me, one of my favorite scriptures is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be afraid and no one can hurt me <laughs> because that's something that for me, I can get fearful very easily um, yes. or think, you know, um, something bad is going to happen. So being able to have scriptures or, and so I pulled a couple of different ones and, and turned it into one phrase verse for me. So a, a scripture memorization is helpful. 
Um, the other thing that you can do in terms of, how do I want to say this? Um, having a concrete um, a, a form of, of healing or, or connection um, is to do something that relates to a memorial of some sort. Um, it might be that you make a donation to a ministry or a children's fund. Um, you might, uh, we have the um, Memorial for the Unborn on the silentnomore.com website where you can, um, in essence, create a memorial online for your child. You put the name there, you can use your initials, uh, you can make it as anonymous as you want or as personal as you want. Um, so doing something like that, so then you have an, a visualize, something to visualize mm -hmm. um, in your heart and in your mind when those feelings um, start to want to overwhelm you. Um, obviously, praying is always a good thing to do. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, is having a book. Um, there's a number of good books, fiction as well as nonfiction that maybe needs to be added to your, your, you know, reading schedule during this season and, and reading something like a fiction book of other women going through abortion healing and, and our website again, silentnomore.com under our um, resources um, page, there's a whole section of different kinds of books. They're um, under different subject topics. Um, but there's some really great fiction out there that allows you to, in essence, see how somebody else handles the trauma, the triggering. You're almost you're reading somebody else's story, but it gives you somebody to connect to. Uh -huh. So it, it gives you kind of like a, a place to land with yeah. some of those emotions. Um, so those are the kind of things that I think of. If you have a good friend, you might um, send them a, a, a series of texts or, or set up a plan that if you're feeling especially vulnerable, that you can send them a, a, a text and use a, a code word that lets them know, hey, I need some prayer because I'm really being triggered right now. Um, in other words, what I think what we're trying to say in this conversation is nobody is going to be equipped to help you handle the holidays and the emotions as well as you yourself. So be proactive. Recognize that it's okay to hurt and grieve and, and be sad about the loss of your child, the death of your child. Allow yourself to not run from it, but accept it. You know, Christmas is all about the birth of Jesus, but there was a point when Mary saw him die. So that's, this is all normal. I'm, 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 you know, getting emotional because it's an emotional season. Mm -hmm. So give yourself some grace space in all of this. Yes. Yes. Beautiful advice. And then finally, for all the rest of us, if we have perhaps mm -hmm. a, a friend that we're going to be with during the Christmas season that we know has had an abortion or a relative what are some of the things that we should keep in mind to assist them at this time? I, I think the one thing I would say that is really critical 
is if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Um, if you can't express empathy and compassion, don't choose the holidays to send a, a sarcastic comment across the dinner table. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be helpful. Um, speak love. Speak as Jesus speaks with love. And recognize that the holidays are an emotional boiling pot for everyone. So check your own judgments. Um, check your own awareness of your own sinfulness, because none of us are without sin. Uh, for those of us who have had abortions and, and people know about it, our sin is a really easy one to pin. Um, but I think the most important thing if your friend or your sister or whoever this person is, and you're going to see them over the holidays, before you get to the point where you see them, you can either text them, write them a note, send them an email, or call them and just say, you know, I don't know how the holidays are going to be for you, but you're on my mind about this. I don't want to trigger you or bring it up. But if you need a friend to talk to, I want you to know I'm safe. And I'm here for you if this becomes an issue for you to, in, this, in these days. Beautiful. I think that kind of thing tells them you're a safe person. Yeah. And, and yet it leaves it. So the simple fact that you might have said that might have actually given them the sense of strength to say, I'm not alone in my grief. Therefore, it gives them the courage to get through it. And then have a cup of coffee with them in January and check in and see, how'd you do? How were the holidays for you? Especially, mm -hmm. I think this is this is something that we, we, we can't fully comprehend how young women are especially handling this chemical abortion, uh, the two pill process that they're doing at home. Um, I think this is one place where, you know, over half of the abortions that are taking place now are being done this way. This is a much more personal, private um, hell that the woman is almost solely responsible for. So if you see one of your nieces or nephews, nieces, I should say, or if the nephew has had a girlfriend, but now is very, you know, withdrawn, or your niece is withdrawn, or a younger family member is withdrawn, sit down and check in with them. Pull them aside and, or go for a quick walk and just see what's going on. If there's something heavy on your heart, I hope you know you can trust me. I'll be there for you. How can I pray for you? I sense you're feeling low. Has something happened? In other words, offer your loving, gracious, support and and give them the opportunity to you know say something but if not you've laid the groundwork you've you've planted a seed that if they're when they're ready to talk about it you can be a safe person that they can come to i hope that wasn't over I, I hope that was clear. I, I hope that I kind of broke it up into the two sets. It was it was well I was just gonna say that uh that this is great. I, I, this is great advice. It's wisdom. It doesn't get really any better than this. That's why mm -hmm. I always enjoy uh, doing these kinds of things with you because uh, you always hit the nail right on the head and give people 
advice, I think that um, it really can't get better. So uh, thank you. Uh, I know that we have many, many of our viewers who not only will be personally helped by, by this conversation, but that will feel more confident going into the holidays uh, that they can be a source of peace for others around them. So thanks, Georgette, for the- Okay, uh, one quick thing. Don't forget, we've got abortionforgiveness.com. If you need healing yourself, do not hesitate to ask for help. And don't, don't even hesitate to look us up online or um, social media, reach out to me. Um, our team knows how to get to me over the holidays. If somebody, if you or somebody needs help in an emergency situation, do not feel you're ever alone. We're here to help. Amen to that. Always great working with you. And thanks great for the to conversation today. Blessings, Father Frank. Friends, thank you for sticking with us in this program, for listening to the conversation with Georgette. Now, if you have follow-up comments and questions, please go back to the webpage where you signed up for this particular seminar. That is whatfollowsabortion.org. And let me put that right at the top here. And you'll be able to submit a question in relation to what you have just heard, and we and our team will follow up with you, whatfollowsabortion.org. Now this, let me just tell you a word about this website. This is an educational website that accompanies our service websites. We in, in Rachel's Vineyard, as the largest ministry in the world for healing after abortion, provide retreats. We provide about 1,000 retreats a year in dozens of countries. And the Silent No More campaign provides opportunities to share one's testimony, to discern whether you should share your story, and to participate in gatherings where that is done. So silentnomore.com and rachelsvineyard.org are service websites, people who are trying to find these particular services. But what about the deeper education behind the wound of abortion, behind the road to healing, the what, what healing consists of, the educational uh, component, the research, the deeper understanding, that's what this website points people to. What follows abortion? So make use of that site in your own personal involvement in this cause and in your own ministry as it may be helpful to you. Thanks for so much for uh, watching and let's pray now once again for God's healing, especially in this holiday season. Father, uh, you love your people. You love all that whom you have created and redeemed. And we ask you now to shine upon your people with the light of the Savior who comes for us. Bring healing to those suffering from various forms of post-traumatic stress disorder or negative reactions uh, triggered perhaps by the sights and sounds of the season. Lord, bring them to healing. And if they do have any negative experiences at this particular time of the year, let it be, O oh Lord, an occasion for them to turn to you and to find that healing, to begin that journey of healing, which will last their entire lives. But give them the peace and the joy of following you, even after such a tragedy as abortion. We pray with confidence in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen. Well, thank you for all that you do, friends, to bring such healing and hope 
And stay connected with us at Priests for Life, at Rachel's Vineyard, at Silent No More. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life and Pastoral Director of Rachel's Vineyard and Silent No More, wishing you the very best of the season and the very best of God's love. God bless you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.